Right, good afternoon. I'm very conscious <clears throat> that I'm competing with champagne and good cheddar and for you leaving for the day or doing whatever's coming next in your life. So I'm going to spend about 25 minutes talking very rapidly at you and with you and to you about what I think is changing and the consequences of what's changing and how it might alter what we do and how we do it. Um, listening to me is a little bit like drinking through a hosepipe. So there's vast amounts of things will come at you. <clears throat> You're very welcome to have these slides that will appear on here, I imagine, eventually. And this material is all referenced. You can take it, use it, throw it away, tell the kids, whatever. So first thing I want to say is that Chambers came up with this idea that about 40% of companies will become increasingly irrelevant as we move through the digital era. And of course, many of you know we're now through the digital era, era and now in the intelligent era. So even if we haven't caught up with the last one, we've got the next one. We had information, we had digital, we have information, and there's more to come. So the good news is it's a continuum. It's not really a project, and we don't ever get through it. So we have to just relax and enjoy this ever-changing world. So 40% of us aren't necessarily going to make it. Andrew Kendrick said this at ITC in London a couple of years ago. He said, we're increasingly on a burning platform and descending into irrelevance. And he was talking of his company, Ace, and the chub as it's become in the insurance industry. And of course, he said there are 12 driving technologies that are increasingly making us irrelevant. And Ed's made several remarks there commenting whether it's actually an insurance issue of protection of homes, etc. So thinking about what matters, and if you think about your own organization, 60% of the risk of us failing is strategic risk. So it's, it's what we do and where we do it. It's not how we do it. But actually, we spend most of our time worrying about how we've done and how we're operating and whether it's reliable or reliant on our own people or indeed is regulatory compliant. And yet this is from the Society of Actuaries. So these are the very people at the bedrock of our industry that are saying we're looking perhaps at the wrong things and we spend our time in inverse proportion to the things that really matter. Increasingly, Drucker says our markets move and often we don't, which can be the reason why many companies fail and finally, talking here is half of the Fortune 500 companies have disappeared since 2000, 2010 because of digital models. So all the evidence is that that 40% going forward isn't unrealistic. It means it's probably going to happen, yeah? 40% probably going to go bust. Is that right? Real question? You've got champagne. You're supposed to be discussing, discussing things now. If that's true, then we'd behave completely differently, but it isn't necessarily true. So we have a plan of what the future looks like, but actually, if you ask an economist, this was uh, uh, Keynes, and he said that uh, it's better to get the future vaguely right than precisely wrong. And very often, we have very, con uh, very conceived views of what that future looks like, and we march on blithely towards it, even though our competitors, other markets are moving and changing the very nature of what we do as an industry, and that's insurance to a piece. I have to say I was um, head of strategy for the Unisys uh, IT services company, their global financial services business, some years ago, and we could see that this was beginning to happen, and it was increasingly hard to work out what was coming next. So there are many trends. We're just talking about some today. I'm sure you've heard ad nauseum about AI and cognitive and blockchain and some of those other things. I might have a bit of fun with those in a minute if we get that far. But, of course, it's globalization. There's 2 billion more people about to enter the Internet for the very first time. 70% of new people entering middle class are in emerging economies. They have no idea how to do it wrong. So they don't have to change to do things newly with new tools such as digital and for augmented reality and virtual reality and artificial intelligence because that's just what's normal for those folk 
in their markets where they're growing up for the very first time. And lots of other technologies and change and demographics and living longer is going to happen exactly the same time. So there's a vast wave of change coming. Many industries are morphing into new forms of proposition for their customers. And the very people we're talking about here as being customers of the insurance industry are customers of other industries and experiencing what they have to offer and comparing different sectors with their own personal best, if you like, in terms of what's coming. So if you like an insurance, we're moving from this world of highly structured, reactive data. We still hear the, hear the, word, hear the word claim used, which is a bizarre thing. Imagine if you went into a, a, a cinema and said, I'd like to buy a ticket, please. And they gave you a ticket. Then you went to the place where they, they, they marked the ticket and tore it in half. They said, put your claim in. You might be allowed to have a seat. But I think I just bought a seat. Well, you may not have bought a seat. You may have bought it on the wrong basis. So the whole point is that the language we use, the processes we've adopted, the, the norms that have traditionally been the bedrock of what we do are perhaps increasingly being blurred as people's perceptions of what we offer changes. And we move towards unstructured, massive data. And, of course, the good news is a more preventative model is what people would much rather have in their lives and becoming successful is part of that. So we hear about this fourth industrial revolution. Of course, it's all about automation. Increasingly, the way our firms operate, the way parts of our jobs are executed, how our customers consume products are going to be changed by the tools and technologies that are coming out writ large. These are terribly exciting. Cognitive computing, artificial intelligence, machine learning are all ways that software increasingly allows people to do amazing things. And when you put your offers out there for customers to come and gather around, they'll be using tools to go into the market and look for things that they want to consume. You may never talk to a human being again. It may be their artificial intelligence competing with your artificial intelligence. Many, many people believe these tools are increasingly going to change what we do and how we do it, and a lot of the jobs we do are going to disappear, which is great news. Can you imagine if you wanted your children to go down the coal mines? Hands up who wants their kids to go down the coal mines. No, we fought a battle about keeping our kids down the coal mines. How many people would like careers where you're a cleric in an office of 73 other people in a ledger book making numbers? How worthwhile is that? Not at all. And a lot of the things we do today, we will look back on and we'll look very lovingly towards that time when we did these things, but we'll want to move on. And there's loads of new jobs coming. There's about 130 new job types that we've identified that we're going to be involved in that give us whole new hope for the future that's coming and the things we currently do we'll stop doing. That's quite awkward. If I asked you to move one seat to the left, we'd be here till 6 o'clock. Nothing more would happen because it's change. And fundamentally, we love the idea of disruption. We hate the idea of change. So many of us have products and services, even using that language is probably wrong, that are not designed for this era. They certainly weren't designed for the digital era. And we've barely caught up with the propositions that we can offer using the tools at our disposal to go to the markets that we want to serve. They're manual tools that have been brought in from outside and have been turned into digital products. So we see endlessly new players want to traditionally engage with us in distribution. So Google have been in, they've been out, they've been in, they've been out. Others may come in and play around and we'll hear their names forever. And, of course, they increasingly could want to be part of a world that is about enabling people to live their lives. Because surely, if nothing else, insurance is an enabler that allows you to acquire things you couldn't afford to do without and you wouldn't want to go on paying. 
So even though it's positioned as a risk, a risk tool, to customers it's incredibly enabling. So where does that leave us? This mass of fintech, instech, other things that are called tech are coming from everywhere, and they're not there to collaborate necessarily with incumbents. They're there to peck people to death and eat their lunch. If I, forgive me for those two expressions. They want to buy parts of that market. They want to, they're being invested in by venture capital companies to increasingly own components of a market, often the very profitable pieces. If you take fintech, it's the payments world that kept banks going that PayPal and others have consumed. So they're there to buy parts of the market and take it away. What does that mean for us then? We could lose, the insurance industry could lose increasingly 20, 30, 40% of its value as these other players enter the market and increasingly offer services that are making people more successful that don't need to also fund the same degree of risk. So a huge amount of money comes out of it. And that, does that matter, yes and no? It might matter if it removes the, prop, the proposition that you're in Leadenhall Street and your smartest people are in the nicest part of London, for example, and you end up in a shed in Slough. And how will you acquire the best talent to flog out to Slough? Forgive me if you're from Slough, by the way. So, <laughs> be careful what I say here. Are you really going to flog out there with the best people, your data scientists and analysts, to do the greatest work when actually they'd rather go to other industries that are in more prestigious premises if you've lost 5 or 10% of your margin? So let's have a look at customers for a minute. People, as they are, we call them people normally, uh, we're changing. We're changing our minds about what we do and how we do it. Millennials don't really get insurance, and they certainly don't want to join it as a career, but many of them don't really understand its overall proposition, and they don't own very much, to be fair, because they're quite young, most of them, and therefore they haven't experienced the need of insurance. So we can do this, look at that in both ways round. But increasingly, we want things to be highly personalised, but I want the lowest price. So I want mass customization is the, is the rule of the day. So your standard terms and conditions are no good to me anymore. I want to be able to press myself up against them and change them. So I want to change the terms and conditions. The basis on which I do business with the world is increasingly going to have to accommodate me. And of course, that doesn't matter because we've got technology that can allow us to change words from might to will or may to absolutely. It just costs us more if we want to have more certainty. So we can change all of the ways we do things by not standardizing around a set of propositions, but opening the kimono and saying, your world's the oyster, we can change it any way you like. And ultimately, that person, that customer, is standing alone, perhaps, and the systems and the information providers know where you are, and I've got access to your diary, so I know where you've been and what you're doing next, and I may know that for the last year, I may know it for the next few months, as you put appointments in your diary, and I'll also know what you've been looking at and spending money on. So I know a huge amount about you. I don't believe that'll be held by insurers. I don't believe it'll be held by Facebook. I don't believe it'll be held by Google. It'll be held by trusted intermediaries that will want to hold our data. And increasingly, those will emerge and provide comfort to customers that their information is being used for their benefit in whatever that means. And of course, the nice thing is we know who's around us. So who are those people? What's the context I'm in? What might they want? Now, if I sold an insurance product to any one of you here now, is that reasonable? If I sold it to you and all the people around you were, were your rugby club friends and it's 11 o'clock at night, is that reasonable? So how we judge people in the future will be situals and context. And that data is mass. We're talking about the next few years, 1.7 megabytes of data being produced per person on the planet, per second. 
That sort of data cannot be stored by even modest companies, let alone the most massive, they can't store that sort of data. We can only have one iteration of that degree of knowledge. Equally, we want more care, we want comfort. A bit like a shark factor in New York will tell you if you're walking down a street where there was a mugging and steer you away from that real time. And how much more would you be loved if you potentially prevented someone from harm than just compensating them having a black eye? I know we're using the health example, it doesn't apply, but things like this will be writ large everywhere, and if the insurance industry doesn't provide it, others will be more than happy to provide that sort of service. Manage the risk for me is what people are asking for. Increasingly, they're saying, I expect my insurer to do that. Actually, people don't care if the insurers do it. I just really want someone to do it. Someone to reliably look after me wherever I am, if it's an autonomous vehicle, it's an aeroplane, walking down a street, just look after my interests, look after my home, my laptop, my car, my pet, everything. Increasingly, we want people to take care of us. And customers are incredibly adaptable. We are incredibly adaptable. Who's got a smartphone? You've all got one, I know, that's a stupid question. The point is, five years ago, some of you would have had ones. Some of you might have downloaded an app. And of course, we're now leaving the smartphone era and increasingly the apps era. So at last, we're getting used to a technology and beginning to develop things for it just when it's disappearing, and we increasingly see that disappear. So we've got 10 minutes left, or thereabouts. I might take 15, because that's halfway there. I want to talk about technology for a minute. Is that okay? Gives me a rest. So, technology is incredibly exciting. Most of us feel it will transform everything we do, both at home, in our businesses, maybe even our sports, and some of our social life will be impacted by it, even our leisure activities. But only about half the people think we're prepared. So it's really interesting how there's a lag behind the use of technology from our preparedness to engage with that technology. You've heard endlessly about fintech and instech and marketing technology and artificial intelligence, and that's just 3,000 companies, but it's being funded to the tune of about $20 billion to grow and interact with players. Also, you could have got retail technology, Internet of Things and all things sensor-like, 3D printing, 4D printing. All of those will change the proposition from insurance. All of your companies will need to know something about all of those technologies and what their intent is and what their business model is for you to thrive. So it's pretty exciting going forward, yeah? Absolutely worn out. I don't blame you. It's almost time to have that glass of champagne. Just enjoy it and just you know, shut me out if you want. I don't mind. What's really interesting, in the 80s, I saw in IT, because I started my IT career in 1970s on mainframes and minis and micros and all that, the explosion of PCs took a decade to scoop up the data and make it available to the overall corporation. We are in exactly the same position again with InTech and FinTech and Health Tech and uh, uh, Estate Agent Tech. We are, we are looking at exploding in different directions with new technology-driven solutions that look terribly attractive. We're being technology-led, whereas our passionate believer is they inform our strategy, but then we use that technology to roll the strategy out. That's quite different from embracing the goals and aspirations of technology firms. So first we do things differently. So we might have a desktop PC. And then we get given a laptop. And guess where they make you sit? In exactly the same place, 
with exactly the same time, with exactly the same contract, and doing pretty much exactly the same work. Absolutely nothing changed. And eventually they realized you could move. You could get up and walk and go somewhere else. You could have an atrium, you could have a canteen, you could work at home. It's taken years. How many people still aren't encouraged to work at home? One. He's the only honest person in the room. A lot of people are really frightened of the concepts of working at home and latch on to the yahoos of this world who are gathering people together because they lost control of their workforce. Disintermediation, platform technology, network companies are writ large and they are transforming every market that exists today. These things turn up in your market, of course they do, and they will transform how you operate. And they are very exciting. Of course, the inevitable Uber is in the list because it changed the way that lots of people had stranded assets in their vehicles and could re-engage them in in money-making methods using platform technologies. Really interesting models that are changing everything. Increasingly, Three Horizon gives you a view when you look at technology going forward. Who uses Three Horizon at work? One. Everybody go and talk to him afterwards. There are very few techniques for strategic marketing or strategy that have time built into them. They're very often a snapshot of something now, whether it's a market, an opportunity, your customer's attitude. This is in a way of embracing time with what you want to do, your competitors are doing, what technology is doing, what the market's doing. And therefore, you can express that and share it with other people. It is the tool to use when you're looking at markets like ours. All of these technologies are transforming your business, and I'm not going to bore you to death talking endlessly about them, but they're all transforming what you're doing. So first of all, social media, marketing, have used that for years, you get that. Of course, increasingly we're working in, in swarms with work packages being let out to individual groups of people, because this will become the new way of doing business, the network company, and increasingly it becomes the distribution method of choice. So how many of you use social media as your prime communications device in your company. So we've done away with email, because that's born of the 1970s. Everyone's got rid of that? Yeah, email's gone. We don't use that inside the company. Completely barking mad. It's at least 9 to 10% more productive to use social media tools inside the company. So, how many use social media tools to run the company? Brilliant. There's about 12 hands here. So that leaves a couple of hundred people who are using a 40-year-old technology to run their companies, and the very lifeblood of what you're doing is dependent on how you talk to each other. Mad! It's because we're just used to it. We are unconsciously competent in using something. Anything that's got battery in it or life, you can send an email on it. If that chair had a battery in it, you could send an email on it in some way. You can't send it on Yammer because you don't know how to send a message to someone. So we are consciously incompetent, and that stops us taking on these new ways. Some insurers, by the way, are doing this already. Everything's digital, everything's video, so you don't put paper out there first to customers or intermediaries or markets. It's always video, yeah? Okay, I won't ask for a show of hands on that one. Increasingly video, and of course, increasingly when you're doing engagement with customers or groups of customers, you're using social engagement tools like this one. So virtual reality, holographic, this one is is simply using avatars of people talking to each other, engaging. So you're doing a lot of this, yeah? This is now, I'm not doing tomorrow. Okay, fair enough, leave that. This is what we used to use, yeah? 
This is what we used to aim for for our products and services. And, of course, this is more like the sort of products we're, we're planning to use. It's waterproof, it's skin, it, it, it projects uh, uh, light onto the skin. It's Secret's initial design, which is now f- actually flawed, but they, there are masses of these sorts of technologies that are coming that can be used outside in the wet, and the one thing they do is they give you your hand back. People are 50% more performant using this type of technology than holding a, a mobile phone because I have to hold it. So we'll stop using mobiles fairly shortly. Increasingly, of course, we'll use semantic. We'll use voice. How many of you use voice regularly to your devices, whether it's one you carry around or at home or at work? Okay, you've all got to go and talk to a few people around the edges. So fair enough. So voice is the thing to do because voice is available to everybody. Most people can speak a language of some sort. It doesn't matter if it's English or not. Most people can communicate with voice if they have that uh, ability to to, to use voice. Uh, Keyboards are difficult. Smartphones for some people are difficult. Technology is difficult. But voice isn't. So increasingly I might say, go find me some protection for my pet. It comes up with three options. I said, no, no, I don't ever want to hear from them again. Never show me that again. Just show me the companies that show me with clever pet collars. And those companies, it tells you about those clever pet um, collars. And I say, well, throw it up on the screen in the living room and have a look. So increasingly, we'll do without our devices. We'll use voice that will be picked up by ambient tech, and increasingly, that's how we'll transact business. Does that make sense? So the device disappears. Remember the mainframe? Quite big, yeah? Mini, micro, laptop, tablets, smartphones, nothing. And that's what happens. Eventually, it just disappears. It's not brilliant. It's not even a crystal ball. It's just a natural progression that things eventually will disappear. And, of course, we've all got these sort of things at home. In the office, we're using Amazon Echo or Google Sound of one sort or another, and we're beginning to get used to using it. Yeah, is that right? Who's got an Amazon Echo, for example? Brilliant. Half a dozen folk, maybe a dozen. We're getting there. We're onto tech, which is brilliant. We ask it questions. Is my train on time? It tells you. If your train's on time, do I need a coat tomorrow? Yes, it's quite cold where you're going because I'm linked to your diary. It's pretty cool, isn't it? It's called productivity. I can ask that as I'm doing something else, normally eating a piece of toast or having breakfast. So amazing thing about new tech. It's very familiar. It's very adaptable. It's very available. Increasingly, we'll use all forms of devices to add information to our lives. This is the uh, um, awful thing, the Google Glass. And one of the reasons it failed is people who used it kept the camera on, and they got called glass holes. (laughs) So sometimes our our social mixing with technology isn't quite right, and we have to go and regroup and come back. And of course, it's used in many industries. Increasingly, we're using virtual reality to have really rich experiences and this poor guy is finally getting to find out what it's like to be on a roller coaster. And, he, and within seconds, you become completely adopted to the world you're in. Who's used virtual reality? Yeah, it's brilliant. I had a board recently of, the, of a pharmaceutical company who queued up like children in the coffee break because I said I had one in the car and I brought it in to try a VR headset. All the ones who've done it stood to one side and all the ones who were doing it stood in the middle. And the first thing happened, no one moved. You put it on, they looked. You said, you can move your head. And they went, whoa, we're in it. It's different. And then they all ducked. And all the others laughed who'd done it. Because that's the point where the dinosaur's tail flips over their head. So within seconds, we got used to that world and believed it. 
How amazing to use as a tool to engage with our customers. Of course, we use it for serious things. We can price risk. We can look at a, a, a scenario out there. We can communicate with people. Increasingly, even at home, we can have that wonderful minority report, multi-screen thing we couldn't afford before, but we can have it in virtual life. So it's dead cool to embrace virtual reality. Technology with IoT is going to change everything, and I'm sure you're fed up with hearing about that today. But increasingly, these players are not necessarily insurance companies. In fact, I would argue that they're others who are providing customers with feedback and safety on their devices. In America, they have got means of turning off water supplies that have failed from your uh, Alexa somewhere else where you're having coffee. If it alerts you there's a flood, in fact, it'll turn it off before you even know there's a problem. And that's the point. We won't necessarily have to have a claim in the system, because if you like, that's a last resort against things that could otherwise be interdicted. Beyond the Internet of Things, which you'll hear a lot about, is the Internet of Nano. So this is things like self-healing concrete, self-healing glass, self-healing aircraft wings. These are one centimetre square nano-style devices that have the ability to repair real-time as things happen. This is dead cool and very exciting. Equally, we get this vast amount of data, and increasingly we're going to use better analytics who will get to prescriptive that tell you what to do about it, and then you end up with RoboBoss and starts telling you exactly what you do in your organisation. Customers are no way going to rely on an old-fashioned way of searching for products. No matter what it is, they'll search for experiences, they'll search for solutions to everyday problems. And as I said to you before, there's about 3 billion new people coming online in the next few years who don't know how to do things the old way. If we want to stay in the UK, if we want to stay in Europe, if we want to stay in our geographies, that's fine. But 70% of new people with new products they want to protect and cover are in emerging economies and don't know how to engage the wrong way. Fantastic opportunities. Equally, and I heard a contrary view earlier, I thoroughly believe that as we increasingly have our professional jobs eaten away at in our traditional world by forms of technology, we will look for other sources to make money. And one of them will be sharing our information. Because by myself or with others, that information can be sold multiple times to multiple people for different circumstances, and those brokers who handle my data may be able to pass me on quite a considerable amount of income over a period of time. So it's going to become one of our most important areas of new revenue as we move forward. This is the device I've had a little bit of a pop at, just for the fun of it, because I don't have to deal with tomorrow, you do. So here's our smartphone, and of course we use the data on it, and increasingly we're going to be incredibly exposed to risk because we don't own the data that's on it. If you think about your products, what does the regulator make you put on the front of one of your products? Is it key risks or something like that? Any, any uh, terms that you come to rely on, you have to bring to the attention of the customer. How many people have read the terms ever on any app they've ever downloaded? Hands up. One? Are you a lawyer? <laughs> uh, uh, anyway, we'll talk later. I found one. <laughs> so we don't read the terms. So we all lie to get access to those resources, and we give our data away to them freely, and those companies rely on it completely, and they don't own it. We have never really agreed, and the courts will know we never agreed. There is the most almighty row waiting to happen going forward. If we don't bring it to people's attention, 
that we're going to rely on their data specifically as we go on. New skills, of course, writ large. 3D printing, if you know what those are, we're going to increasingly make things wherever we need to make them, and we'll repair things wherever we need to repair them. And you can print in stone, in plastic, in metals, all manner of material to replace what's already there or even protect yourself. Here's some of the things. Formula One engines are 3D fabricated with metals. Nike are producing shoes, which are, are co-created by customers. We can print burgers, well, something like that anyway. We are almost able to print hearts and livers and kidneys so you can drink yourself stupid and produce a, 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 um, a replacement. Installation is still a bit of an issue, but getting these things reproduced is becoming quite normal and quite regular and quite available. And of course, we can remove risk. This is a Belgian uh, uh, company who's being insured. It's a church that's being insured for these very valuable relics. And of course, they're dummies. Their, their clones are being created using 3D printers they are painted, I might add, before they go on display. And these then, of course, reduce the exposure to risk for those uh, uh, propositions, and the insurance policy is that much less expensive. Equally, this is the largest printer in the world. Shall I show you what it produced? It produced that. How long did it take to produce? One day. It used crushed pasted, ex-construction material, reconstituted, laid out with a 3D printer and produce a five-story in American terms or four-story in British terms block of flats. All these people here are looking over here and they're looking at the house they printed that took four days. So I can print a mansion in four days. So how much am I going to pay for my insurance when I can do that? It's not very finished, to be fair. There's quite a lot of second fix and third fix, depending on what programs you're watching and what you know, but there's an awful lot of work to be done. But I can produce this in construction-grade material in almost no time at all. In Horizon 2, that's all right, this is already happening. So I've covered everything that's just happening, right? You're doing all of that in your companies, yeah? Yeah, because that's already happening. We know all of that for years. Cognitive computing, parallel computing, we call it... Um, uh, uh, photonic computing, massively faster, only 100 times than current IT, and that's already getting ready for uh, release, new types of computing. That's well before other forms of expensive and fast computing. Humanoid robots are already available. So we're going to have massive numbers of machines available to us and software available to us. We're going to have the supplier, you, your engine, making propositions to me, and I'll buy it or not with my engine. So we'll both have the use of artificial intelligence, and it isn't a one-way street, Increasingly, blockchain, hurrah, I had to mention it. Blockchain will matter, particularly when you get to 2025, when 10% of the world's GDP is hosted on blockchain systems. So expectation is in eight years, we will host, using blockchain technology, 10% of the GDP of the world using those. So they do matter, and they matter a lot about transparency and trust and accessibility, etc. Unmanned autonomous vehicles, of course, we're all going to love those to pieces. It might look a bit like this, or it might not. Increasingly, it's the end of uh, motor insurance to the individual. It's the end of garages. It's the end of driveways in homes. It's the end of uh, repair centers. It's probably the end of the motor car industry as we know it, since we produce 80% less cars, because they sit there doing nothing most of the time, apart from depreciating. And in, the, in Los Angeles, it uses a third of the real estate of Los Angeles today that we can get rid of and reuse. So we're not running out of space, we're just using it in the wrong way. And these technologies bring that real. Increase, increasingly, we can use holograms, we can use 
Actroid One, she costs $5,000 a week to hire, speaks four languages, recognizes facial expression change, and she is available now to promote your products or to replace you. Shakira Two, I made up. I just thought she was prettier. And of course, there's uh, Clooney One. So we can use new technology to overlay the cult of celebrity and start doing things that we hadn't done originally or before. And it's amazing what people will say when they think they're talking to somebody who is one of their heroes. Horizon 3, quantum computing, a thousand times more computer processing power than today. What would we do with it? Well, the one thing I know from experience is we will fill it up. It won't be fast enough. Because we've never got computing fast enough for what we finally work out we're going to do with it. So photonics is a hundred times faster, quantum computing is a thousand times faster, and I need to get off the stage fairly soon. But finally, we need to decide what we're going to be in this new world. We cannot be in all places, and we need to move from defense to owning part of our industry. We have to decide where we fit in the new ecosystem with new co company constructs that are networked and very um, uh, flexible in terms of how they remorph into the organizations they need to be in the future. Increasingly, it's through a partnership model, but not just the partners we think. It's about very fast, active engagement with new partners to provide new propositions. And finally, maybe we've got to be the ones who are prepared to cannibalize our own base. Thank you very much.